Welcome to this special edition of Second Look, brought to you by Octopod Mobile Charging Solutions. Never let your phone die again. Go to octo-pod.com slash outset for more information. Thank you for tuning in to the Outset Podcast Network. I'm Benjamin Green, and this is Second Look. On today's edition of Second Look, we will have eight questions, followed by two bonus questions. Each of the first eight questions is worth ten points. Each of the bonus questions is worth fifteen points. I will read each of the questions aloud, and there will be a period of 15 seconds for you to determine an answer. One bell will ring after 10 seconds, and two bells will ring after 15 seconds, at which point I will read the correct answer. At the end of the quiz, you will tweet me your score that you've earned, and whoever gets the highest score will receive a top-secret Mystery Digital Prize. So, if you're ready, let's begin. Number one. How many candidates are there currently in the race to be the Republican nominee for president? The correct answer is 16. With the entry of Ohio Governor John Kasich in the race, there are 16 credible candidates for the Republican nomination. If you got that answer correct, give yourself 10 points. Question number two. Who was the fourth major presidential candidate to declare they were running for President of the United States from either party? The correct answer is Marco Rubio, who entered the race on April 13th. If you got that question correct, give yourself 10 points. Question number three. Who are my personal top two choices for the Republican nomination? In order. They must be in order. Correct answer, Rand Paul and Carly Fiorina. Once again, that answer is worth 10 points. Question number four. Which of the following is not, is not a reason why I am not supporting Scott Walker in the primaries? Is it A that he is proud of his union-busting record, B, 
that he's not as charismatic as some of the other candidates like Marco Rubio, or C, that he supports the Patriot Act. The correct answer is B. Scott Walker's comparative lack of charisma is not something that gives me pause about his 2016 presidential bid. If you got that correct, give yourself 10 points. Question number 5. At this point in the 2008 Republican primary, Which candidate was first place in the polls? Was it A. John McCain, B. Rudy Giuliani, or C. Mitt Romney? The correct answer is B. Rudy Giuliani. If you got that correct, give yourself 10 more points. Question number six. At this point in the 2012 Republican primary, who was first place in most national polls? Was it A. Mitt Romney, B. Rick Perry, or C. Michelle Bachman? The correct answer is A. Mitt Romney. If you got that correct, give yourself 10 additional points. Question number 7. How many years has it been since the United States and Cuba had embassies in each other's nations? The correct answer is 54 years. If you got that answer correct, give yourself 10 points. Question number 8. Which state was the 31st to join the Union? The correct answer is California. If you got that correct, give yourself 10 additional points. Well, that rounds out our first round of eight questions, and now it's on to the two bonus questions worth 15 points each. Now, these two questions will only be answerable to you if you listened to my interview with Stephen 
on last week's episode of the Stephen Perkins program in his Stephen and Company series. He had me on the show and he asked me some questions after we talked about current events. And I'm going to ask you those same questions now, but you have to tell me what my answer was. Each of these will be worth 15 points. Bonus question number one. How much Kohl's cash do I think that Scott Walker has in his wallet? The correct answer is $450 worth of Kohl's cash at any given time. If you got that correct, give yourself 15 points. And bonus question number two. Which two politicians would I choose to be put on the TV show Big Brother? The correct answer is Tom Cotton and Elizabeth Warren. I would really like to see those two go at it on that show. Well, that rounds out the quiz section of our show today. We'll be right back after this special word from our sponsor. This episode of Second Look is brought to you by Octopod and their mobile charging solutions. Innovative products such as the Ion 3, which is a little device you can carry around in your pocket that can charge up your phone. Or, if you need a little more power, maybe charge up your phone and tablet at the same time, you can get the Ion 10. Just head on over to octo-pod.com outset and use the coupon code OUTSET when you check out to get 50% off for a limited time. Well, I hope you enjoyed that little quiz thing. Go ahead and tweet me the score you got. And as I said in the beginning, whoever gets the highest will get a mystery digital prize. And part of the reason why it's a digital prize is the scoring wasn't too nuanced. So if more than one person gets the same highest score, you'll both get the mystery digital prize. I want to give a big shout-out to Technoaxe. I have no idea who you are, but thank you for writing a game show theme song and putting it online for free, royalty-free. That made today's episode super awesome. So, I wanted to take the rest of today's show and elaborate on some things that... I brought up and Stephen brought up when I was on his show last week. And if we have some time, we'll get to some other things. We'll just see where it goes. If you didn't catch my interview with Stephen, it was a blast. Uh, I'm really enjoying this Stephen and Company series he's been doing, listening to everyone else. And it was super fun to be able to be on it myself. And um, 
if you haven't listened to that yet, go ahead and check it out. It, it was a really good time, and uh, Stephen asked me some questions about current events and also just some fun, silly, random stuff. And that's all at OutsetMagazine.com, or you can search for the Stephen Perkins program on iTunes to, to find that episode. But like I said, I wanted to elaborate on some stuff that was brought up during that episode, especially um, Stephen kind of pressed me on it a little bit and got me thinking a lot. Um, as I said in the quiz, and I've said before on this show, my top candidate is Rand Paul and my backup candidate, if you will, <laughs> should Rand Paul take some terrible position as, say, I don't even know. It'd have to be like he'd have to suddenly be pro-abortion and anti-free market and uh, anti-religious liberty for me to to not vote for him. But anyway, uh, stepping away from worst-case scenarios, Carly Fiorina is my number two choice. And as Stephen pointed out in that interview, they are quite different. So I just wanted to elaborate a little bit on why I like Rand and um, why I like Carly and why even though they're different, kind of just what I look for in a candidate that I would be willing to vote for. So I've mentioned before on this show that I have some friends who... um, haven't voted Republican in ages, or friends who are registered members of a third party, they might vote for a Republican in the general election, but not in the primary. And I, I, having these friends has kind of changed my perspective on party politics. I used to firmly be a vote for the lesser of two evils person. And then I firmly became a vote for your conscience person. And now I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, Ultimately, I am a vote for your conscience. But I understand that some people's consciences (laughs) leads them to vote for the lesser of two evils. And I kind of swing back and forth between those two. Now, a good example of this um, came up in Arizona's 2014 gubernatorial election, the general election. We had Republican Doug Ducey versus Democrat Fred Duval, and there was a libertarian candidate, Barry Hess, an American-elect candidate, uh, Mueller, I don't remember his first name. And uh, when it came down to it, I... I have nothing strong against Doug Ducey, who, by the way, is Arizona's governor now. Um, But I didn't particularly like him. I did not vote for him in the primary. Um, I I didn't like the way he handled some of his opponents in the primary. But I really did not want Fred Duval to win, be governor. It's kind of a pivotal time in the states right now. And I really wanted someone who would stand up for states' rights more than just cave to the federal government all the time. And 
And I don't know for sure if Doug Ducey will stand up for states' rights. He hasn't really been tested on it yet. But I figured there was a whole lot better chance with a Republican than with a Democrat. So I voted for Doug Ducey to ensure that, help ensure that Fred Duval would not be governor. Now, my wife also is kind of where I am on Doug Ducey. Didn't like some of his antics in the primary. He he's proved himself a very good politician, but that's not always a good thing. She did vote for a Republican in the primary, but in the general election, she did not want to vote for Doug Ducey, so she went ahead and voted for the Libertarian candidate, Barry Hess. And, you know, we we talked about it, and she said she just didn't feel comfortable voting for Ducey, and I said, if Ducey were to lose by a small margin, I wouldn't feel comfortable knowing I, I was one of the reasons a Democrat was governor. So, there, there are these things, and there's really no good way to handle it. So everyone just needs to make the decision themselves, because I'm left feeling slightly dissatisfied anytime Doug Ducey might do something that frustrates me, I'll be thinking, I voted for him. And uh, Meredith is left feeling slightly dissatisfied because she didn't have a candidate that she absolutely loved, but she didn't want to vote for just the lesser of two evils, and... So she ended up voting for someone who had pretty much zero chance of winning. Part of that is due to flaws in our voting system, but that's a topic for another day. So how does this apply to Rand and Carly? Well, you see, I agree with Rand on nearly everything. I've mentioned before that I love his tax plan where it's a tax cut for every single American, and then every single American pays the exact same tax rate. That makes sense to me. It's equality. Um, I agree with him on the Patriot Act. I agree with him on um, the importance of all of the amendments to the Constitution, not just the second, not just the first, but, you know, the fourth, even the third amendment. And I I really like Rand Paul's approach to foreign policy, too. It's less interventionist. It's not a completely libertarian view. In fact, I know a lot of libertarians who will not support Rand Paul because he uh, they think he's too hawkish, which makes me laugh because I know a lot of Republicans who will not support Rand Paul because they think he's too dovish. Um, I, I'm pretty close to where he is on foreign policy. We, we don't see eye to eye on everything, but he's definitely the closest out of all the candidates to my foreign policy. So I'll be voting for Rand Paul in the primary. Had I been eligible to vote in the 2012 election, I probably would have voted for Ron Paul in the primary. I I don't know for sure, and, you know, my, my political opinions have changed a lot since 2012, so I, I, I really can't say 
for sure, going back in time. Let's say if if I had my mentality now in 2012, I would have voted for Ron Paul in the primary, but then I would have voted for Mitt Romney in the general election and been perfectly okay with that. That's kind of where I am with Rand and Carly. I'm going to be supporting Rand in the primary, but given the opposition that much of the Republican Party has to non-interventionist foreign policy, I... I worry that the other candidates are going to be able to paint him as some radical extremist and he won't win the nomination. Now, don't get me wrong here. I think he definitely can win. And I think if enough people start actually listening to what he says and not just painting him based on his father or which, by the way, he's very much not his father, especially on foreign policy. Um, And um, just mischaracterizing him based on little snippets from the media. I I really think if people actually listen to him, he'd be our strongest candidate by far in the general election. And because of that, he has a good shot of winning the nomination. He's continually in the top tier of candidates in in primary polls and it's early days yet you know he he could skyrocket to the top a month from now we don't know where it's gonna go i'm just concerned because i know of the hawkish nature of the republican party and with isis and everything going on people are especially concerned about that and that's one thing where he doesn't toe the party line and yada 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 so if for whatever sad, sad, sad reason, Rand Paul is not the nominee uh, come next November. I really want that person to be Carly. And it's not just because she's a woman. It is partly because she's a woman. I'd really like the first woman president to be a conservative. Uh, That'd be pretty great. We're going to have a female president eventually, so why not have her be a conservative woman? But setting all that aside, I think Carly has a lot of um, across-the-aisle appeal, as does Rand Paul. His work on criminal justice reform and other things, um, he he does really, really well with independence. And you need independence to win the election. You can't just win the election with your own party. And you also need youth. And Rand Paul has a lot more youth appeal than other candidates. Marco Rubio also has a lot of youth appeal, but I think Marco Rubio's youth appeal is a bit overblown by older people who want him to be very appealing to youth. Um, he has it, don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's quite as strong as some people say. Uh, millennials are, in general, very libertarian in that they don't want the government saying anything about social issues or drug policy. Uh, they're not always economically libertarian, and that's why you see Bernie Sanders attracting thousands and thousands of people to his events. Because a lot of millennials, I think, just don't understand economics. I, 
again, if people would just sit down and listen to what Rand Paul's saying, it makes a lot of sense. But where was I going with this? When it comes to the general election, you need independence, you need youth to win. And Rand has that appeal, and I think Carly has that appeal too. She's not necessarily um, the most conservative candidate out there. You know, I've, I've seen the name on Twitter is Rhino, Republican in name only, and I'm sick of hearing it, especially these last few weeks with Trump going nuts. There's been a lot of that word flying around Twitter. But I, I've seen it leveled at Carly Fiorina. She's a little bit more of what you'd call an establishment candidate in that she kind of has a lot of positions in line with the mainstream. She hasn't been super clear on her positions yet, so I'm I'm really looking forward to debates that feature her in it. It's not looking like she's going to get in that first debate, but she'll be in one of them, I guarantee it. And I'd, I'd like to see more specific policy objectives from her to know for sure. But right now, she strikes me as... Um, the next best winnable candidate, which I can just hear my friends cringing at liking someone just based on electability. Yes, I can hear them cringing. That doesn't make much sense, but we'll just move on. Uh, she, I think she could win it, and, and I like how adamant she is about um, being pro-life, about being pro-free market. I like that she has executive experience. I like that she's not afraid to bring it to Hillary Clinton. I was just watching... um, She was on with Jake Tapper, and Jake Tapper was kind of pressing her on whether or not she supports exceptions for abortion. Um, And she was able to turn the question into an attack on Hillary Clinton and her extreme view that life begins when the baby is taken home from the hospital. That's, that's a very extreme and radical position. And it's something that the people that Hillary Clinton associates herself with, there's something they espouse. And so I, I was really impressed by that. You know, Trump has been getting a lot of credits for his ability to, quote, steamroll any reporter. But you know what? Carly Fiorina is better at handling the media because she can turn any question into the question she wishes she was asked without being rude, without being obnoxious, and without insulting people for no good reason. I'm really impressed by her candidacy for someone with... Uh, very little political experience. She only has the one Senate race, which she lost. Uh, so it's not like she's been in Congress for 20 years and running for re-election every other year. She, For someone with so little experience, she's doing everything right so far. And I like how adamant she is about those things. And also one thing that appeals to me personally about Carly Fiorina is she's the only candidate that I have heard um, profess to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And as a, a, a Bible-believing Christian myself, that appeals a lot to me. Um, it, 
it would be nice to have someone in the White House who espouses my beliefs. Now, there are others like Mike Huckabee who have talked about stuff like that in the past. He ran very much as the um, evangelical leader candidate in 2008. But in this election, the the only candidate I've seen mention that exact phrase, personal relationship with Jesus Christ, in an interview is Carly Fiorina. So that appeals to me too. Ultimately, I, I agree with Rand on most of his stances, but I really like the way Carly's managing her candidacy. Rand Paul's been kind of interesting. He came on the scene with a splash, all of his clashes with reporters, and his ability to get Debbie Wasserman Schultz to admit that she thinks it's okay to kill a seven-pound baby, as long as that baby's not out of the womb yet. Um, And, you know, he came on with a bang, but he's kind of disappeared for a while, and I'm assuming that's strategy, and so maybe it's just something I haven't been exposed to yet, but so far I like Carly's campaign better. So, what I look for in a candidate is simply this. Well, it's not really simple at all, but it's this. (laughs) I look for someone who agrees with me on policy. That's the most important. If you have someone who is very principled, and I don't necessarily mean someone who's not a flip-flopper. If someone changes their opinion, but that change is in line with their principles, that's okay with me. You know, if Marco Rubio, who apparently is now against immigration reform, came out and explained why he's changed his opinion based on his principles, that'd be okay with me. It's like Rand Paul with Iran. He used to say Iran wasn't a threat. Now he says Iran is a threat. And some people are saying, well, he's just a flip-flopper. He can't be trusted. But if you listen to him, he has justifications for why he changed that opinion. And it's in line with his guiding political principles. So I look for someone who, who shares my policy stances, who has a record of being principled and not just grandstanding and not just loud-mouthing. Um, and I also do, in a candidate, I look for someone who I think can win. And um, there are a lot of people out there who don't like that. But there are a lot of people out there who do. It seems like the more involved you are in party politics, the more likely you are to hold that view that winnability is very important. But I think, especially on the national stage, every election is a pivotal election. And this 2016 one seems especially important. There's so much going on in the world in regards war, um, the economy. We have what is it, $18 trillion in debt now? I know it's over 17 I don't know if it's hit 18 yet. It's an obscene amount of debt, and we have a total unfunded liability of, like, well over $70 trillion in our entitlement programs. It, and so we need a president who's going to tackle that head-on. And Rand Paul, 
he said he was motivated to run for office by economic things. And so that'd be great. Carly Fiorina has a business background and she understands that you can't run a business just into debt, into debt, deeper into debt. You have to pay off the debt somehow. And so that's one thing I like about both of them. People who, so looking at, applying that to my ideal candidate, someone who looks at the world as it is now, looks at the world's history, and makes wise decisions. Now, why I brought history in there, if we're talking war, well, we can look back to even just America and our relations with Vietnam, how we never left Vietnam for a long time, and it was a terrible war. It turned public opinion against the troops, even. To this day, some Vietnam veterans hate to admit that they fought in Vietnam. It was a horrible war. The longer we stayed there, the worse things got. And right now, it's looking to me like that's kind of the same deal with Iraq. The longer we stay there, the worse things get. So looking at that history, applying it to today, looking at uh, civilizations that have printed their own money and how that's destroyed their economy, just printing money, trying to inflate away their debt. That doesn't work. And, and so let's see, what's my list now? I like a candidate who agrees with me on policy, who is electable, who um, looks at the world the way it is now, and especially compares it to history. And I also like a candidate who's not a bully. No one likes bullies. And I'm sorry, Chris Christie, but you come across as a bully. Same with Donald Trump. I And there's some things to be said for telling it like it is, which I believe is Chris Christie's slogan right now. But but sometimes it just come across, comes across as mean. I like people who even though they have a very serious job, they have a fun side. You know, you see Rand Paul slashing the tax code with a chainsaw, lighting it on fire. You see Carly Fiorina making a video at BuzzFeed, and I'm not going to comment on the content of that video, but showing their fun side. It's it's always a good thing. Even Ted Cruz, uh, his audition for The Simpsons, he, he said at the end, people have always told me I have a face for radio and a face for animation. You know, just fun stuff like that. Marco Rubio talking about Tupac. And, and I like to know that they're real people, I guess is a good way of putting it. So policy positions, winnability, realism historical understanding, and realness are kind of the things I look for. Not necessarily in that order. And for me, this election, I'm lucky because I have a candidate, Rand Paul, who meets, I think, all of those criteria. But Carly Fiorina is pretty close, too. So, Stephen... In a long and roundabout way, I think that answers your question as to why I support them even though they're different. Hey, thanks so much for joining me today on this special edition of Second Look. It was a lot of fun to do, and... um. 
Yeah, we didn't end up getting to everything I had today, but I can push that off to next week. I would really like it if you were to subscribe in iTunes and didn't miss a single episode. It makes me feel great to know that you're listening. If you enjoyed this episode, tweet me at bgreenaz. Make sure you're checking out OutsetMagazine.com or at OutsetMagazine on Twitter. Check out the other podcasts on the Outset Podcast Network, the Matt Dallas Show and the Stephen Perkins Program. You can catch my interview with Stephen there in iTunes where you can subscribe to both of our shows and Matt's too. And go ahead and give us a five-star rating if you don't mind. That's all I have today. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, Tweet me your score in the quiz from the beginning of the episode. And we'll see you next week.